0: They shall see God. That was the last, th- this subject was the last sermon my father preached before the Lord took him home in 1972. And I visited his grave just a few weeks ago. I don't normally very often at all, but I was out in that area visiting a few of our senior adults. And as I drove past Waco Memorial Park, I thought, I'll, I'm just going to stop by and check on his grave. And And I went over and, you know, it looked good. It was clean. Sometimes there's grass all over it, but it looked good. And as I was reading, the pure in heart shall see God. I just said again, Lord, I so want to be pure in heart. My dad was pure in heart and he does see God. And, And I pray that that's our testimony too. May we see the Lord, not just when we get there in heaven, but also here, because there is an ability to see the Lord. When we're pure in heart, that we do not see when we're not pure in heart. We see according to our hearts. We see through our hearts. It's a perception. So people that are angry, that are hurting, that are offended, they will see negatives. They will see the the difficult things in life because they see through their heart. But someone who's pure in heart, they'll see the good of things. They'll be optimistic. They'll see with love, they'll see with hope, they'll see with tenderness, gentleness, and that's what we want. We want the Lord to deal with our hearts so that we can see him as he is, and so that we can see one another through the eyes of the Lord, even as he sees them. Like the, Lord, the way the Lord sees Rick, we all want to see Rick that way. The way the Lord sees Lindsay, we all want to see Lindsay that way. We need to have pure hearts so that there's no filters on how we see him, or on how we see one another, or on how we see the people around us, the harvest out there that still needs to be reaped for the kingdom of God, or situations, or circumstances. Everything we see, our perception is affected by the purity of our hearts. So the heart is the inner person. It's what distinguishes us from one another. It's the combination of all of our experiences. It's the collection of our our motives, our values, our affections, purity of heart means purity at the center of our lives. Proverbs twenty-seven nineteen says, "A man's heart reveals the man." So, to the degree that we are pure, according to Matthew five eight, we will see God and we will perceive His presence. God Himself has a pure heart; He has no impure or selfish motives. All that He does is motivated by love. 1 John 1, 5 says, In him is no darkness at all. No darkness. God is righteous, so he sees righteously. God is merciful, so he sees through eyes of mercy. We also see according to what we are within. Herb Cohen wrote, You and I do not see things as they are. We see things as we are. Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart... So is he. When our hearts are pure, not only do we see God clearly, we also see how he sees. So let's go to Revelation chapter 3. We're jumping right to the church in Turkey, Asia. Revelation 3. The blessing is on those who are pure in heart. We will see that there was a lack of pureness of heart in this church. At least in part of it. So we're going to read Revelation 3, 7 through 13. Notice all the promises in this passage as we read through it. Verse 7 says, to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, these things says he who is holy, he who is true, that's another word for pure, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and who shuts and no one opens, I know your works. See, I've set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength, and have kept my word, and have not denied my name. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan, who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet, and to know that I have loved you. Now, here's a good promise. Because you've kept my command to persevere... I also will keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Here's another good promise. Behold, I come quickly. That doesn't mean he's that, you know, he said it 2,000 years ago. It doesn't mean that he's going to come quickly back 2,000 years ago. It means when he comes, it's going to be quick. We're going to see things get worse and worse around us, and suddenly Jesus is going to come. So that's what that kind of quickly means. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which, which comes down out of heaven from my God. And I will write on him my new name. Man, what a neat promise is that. He's going to write on us the name of the Father and his own name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So Jesus addressed two groups in verses 8 and 9. The first group he praised because they kept his word and did not deny his name. The other group he called those of the synagogue of Satan who claimed to be Jews and are not. He associated the second group with Satan because of the condition of their hearts. They put on the appearance of being spiritual, but Jesus said they were hypocrites. What was in their hearts was inconsistent with what they portrayed to others. They did not have purity of heart. They were not pure in heart. So one of our main goals should be to maintain a pure heart before God. Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart with all diligence, not just a little bit. Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. There are two main contaminants that will damage our hearts or or cause filters to be on our hearts. The first one is sin, and the second one is inner wounds. We're going to talk about both tonight. So we guard our hearts against sin. Common sins would be unforgiveness, self-pity, worldliness, lust, pride, and there are hundreds of others. Not only does sin contaminate our hearts, so do inner wounds. They can cause, when we've been wounded by others, that can cause resentment, mistrust, and fear. Inner pain will greatly affect our relationship with God and with others. Proverbs eighteen fourteen says, The spirit of man can endure his sickness but a wounded spirit who can bear a wound in the in the spirit or in the soul is a place where a deep hurt has penetrated and the grief or the pain or the offense can actually crush our spirit let's turn to proverbs 15 Proverbs 15, we're going to look at verse 13. I don't think that's right. Yeah, it is. Um, It's the second half, but we'll start with the first half. A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. By sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. So inner wounds show up in our behaviors and in our emotions. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 34 and 35, How can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth evil things. So out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth will speak. If our heart's full of bitterness, it'll come out our mouths. If our heart is full of joy, that'll come out our mouth. If our heart's full of love, it's gonna come out of our mouth. If our heart's full of criticisms, it'll come out of our mouth. So you listen to the way people speak and you'll know what's in their heart. Listen to the way you speak because you're revealing what's in your heart. That's another reason why we want our hearts clean. We tend to live in response to old pain, whether or not we're aware of it. We may have pushed it down real far and we're living in denial, but we're still living in response to it. It shows up. What proceeds from us is often not the fruit of the Spirit. You know, we all want the fruit of the Spirit to come out of our lives. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, self-control. But often, we're not giving off that kind of fruit. We're giving off the fruit of woundedness, pain from the past. And we're still living in that place, even if it's unintentionally, even if it's unconsciously. But others can see it and hear it through us. So what are some of the common attitudes and behaviors of woundedness? You know, some people say, well, I'm not wounded. I'm not hurt. I don't have any of that in me. That doesn't apply to me. But listen to some of these common attitudes and behaviors and see if you can relate to any of them. The first one is a deep sense of unworthiness. And that includes feelings of inferiority, inadequacy, and anxiety. Second one, insecurity, jealousy, being easily offended third one, I've kind of put them in families. The third one is depression. Fourth, sexual problems. So that includes perversion, fear of intimacy, distorted views of sexuality, immorality, and gender confusion. You wonder why there's so much gender confusion? There are a lot of wounded people, and they're they're looking for what's going to satisfy them. Fear of rejection or betrayal, these are fears. There's a whole family of fears. The most common ones when we've been wounded are fears of rejection, fear of betrayal, fear of relationships, and then many other fears. And then addictions is the last category, and that includes all kinds of things. The most common are probably drugs, sex, crime, food, entertainment, the Internet, social media, pornography, gambling. We had a young, young lady in Jerusalem where we were serving and, and we actually stayed with their family for a while. We moved out of our apartment. We're kind of in between places to live. So we're living with this family. And the girl was 14 and Reuben asked her, Reuben, you remember, he asked her one morning, how many times do you go on Facebook before you have breakfast in the morning? What'd she say? Only 14? I thought it was 24. Okay. Anyway, so before she had breakfast, she'd already gone on Facebook that many times. Just a sign of the times. Okay, and that was over 10 years ago. Uh, so what do we do with the pain? Now, some of you may have related to some of these and then you think, okay, I, I, I can identify with some of that. What do I do with the pain? Do it, is there even pain if I'm not that much aware of it? Well, God doesn't want us to bury the pain. That's what we tend to do. If we live in denial, then the destructive parts of our past and even of our present, we're pushing down and we're covering over them with other things, with busyness, with relationships, with social media, with anything that can numb the pain, we're covering over that. But God doesn't want us to bury it. He wants to heal it. You know, when we get saved, we know that we'll spend eternity with the Lord, but eternity started the day we got saved. And He doesn't just want us to live in joy and peace forever with Him. He wants us to live in joy and peace now. He wants to heal us of pain of the past. He never intended that we keep walking through life just accumulating hurts and pain and offense. And then we think, man, finally when I get to heaven, I'll be relieved of these burdens I carry. He wants us to be relieved of them now. So buried pain causes wounds to fester. The pain will then later resurface. And it looks like anger, broken relationships, violence, other dysfunctional behaviors. What we need to do is give God access to all of our wounded, broken areas for him to heal. He won't just push his way in. He waits to be invited in. And he especially waits for us to call things by name. Lord, in this area of insecurity in my life, would you heal everything that caused the insecurity? All the rejections, all the fears all the awkwardness in school, everything that built up in my life that as I became an adult, I became an insecure adult. Lord, would you heal that whole backlog of pain, all those back experiences, would you heal my heart, would you heal the wound, and would you set me free from insecurity? So you pray a prayer like that. You kind of cover the bases. Lord, wherever this came from, sometimes you'll know exactly where it came from. You know, the kid at school that beat me up. So from then on, I have certain behaviors. So you pray into that. You forgive the kid at school that beat you up. You pray over that whole incident. You pray over the trauma that it affected your soul. You pray over the pain in your inner man. And then you, I already said you forgive the kid, but you ask the Lord, would you heal me? Would you heal every part of my soul that's broken? Sometimes it's very fast. You pray about one area and the Lord heals it just like that. But a lot of inner healing, emotional healing, soul healing, a lot of that is progressive. So you start praying into it and maybe the next day the Lord shows you something else and you think, oh yeah, that was part of that picture. So you pray about that. And then maybe a week later you've had a dream and you think, oh yeah, that was part of that. And, and so progressively, the Lord is healing you and setting you free. It says in John 8, whom the, it says that, well, maybe we better turn there since I can't seem to quote it. John 8, there's so many verses in, in John 8, then you start quoting the wrong one, it doesn't match. Okay, so John eight thirty one. Jesus spoke to those Jews who believed him. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, some of you may have a version that says, and the truth will set you free. And there are times that the truth sets us free. But this is actually what it, what it is. You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. It progressively makes you free. So, the more you come into truth, you get more and more free. The more you're in the Word of God, you shall know the Word, and you'll be His disciples, and you'll know the truth, and this truth will set you free. It says in Psalm 107, verse 20, He sent forth His Word, and He healed them. There's healing just in the Word of God. You can sit by yourself in your own home reading passages after passages and the lord is bringing layers and layers and layers of healing into your life don't neglect this gift that he's given us this is part of our healing is to soak in the scripture so get back to my notes here um So we need to give the Lord access to the wounded areas of our lives, the broken areas. He does not deny the existence of evil in our past, whether it's our own evil or the evil of someone against us. He doesn't deny it, but he does deny it the right to follow us into our future once we repent of it and turn from it. So hear that again. God does not deny the existence of evil in our past, but he does deny it the right to follow us into our future. God does not want the brokenness of your past to follow you into your future. He doesn't want the dysfunction of your family to follow you into your future. He doesn't want the sins of your parents to affect you as you parent your own children or as you grandparent your grandchildren. He wants to break off the patterns of evil that trip us up and hold us back. So whether it's someone's sin against you or whether it's your own sin, the Lord wants to cancel it, and even tonight, He wants to cancel some sin patterns tonight, some dysfunctional patterns tonight, so that we can all be free. He doesn't want us to be crippled in our walk with the lord he wants us to walk tall and straight in the kingdom of god having given him all these things that have held us back and tripped us up so we need to confess sin before him that's one of the first things we do confess where we've sinned we confess our fleshly character traits to him which are often reactions to our inner pain sometimes reactions to other people's sin uh, Psalm 41 verse 4 says, Lord, be merciful to me, heal my soul, for I have sinned against you. You know, our own sin wounds our soul. And there, there are common sins that will wound our souls. You know, you lash out in some, towards someone else in anger, it wounds your own soul. You do violence somewhere it'll wound your own soul there's there's a number of sins that wound our own soul and that's what david is calling out he says lord be merciful to me heal my soul he doesn't say because they've sinned against me they've damaged me he doesn't say that because i've sinned against you lord heal my soul my own attitudes have broken my soul down i don't walk in joy and peace anymore lord heal my soul cry out to the lord for healing don't keep walking in old patterns. In a broken place, when the Lord has so much more for you, He's so much more for me. Psalm 147, verse 3 says, God heals the brokenhearted, and He binds up their wounds. That's what He wants to do. He wants to heal the brokenhearted. He wants to bind up our wounds. Let's turn to Luke chapter 4. Luke 4, we're going to read verses 18 and 19. You'll remember the context. Jesus had gone back to Nazareth, he walked into the synagogue on the Sabbath, and they handed him the scroll of Isaiah to read. And he turned to the passage in Isaiah 61, we're going to read that pretty soon. But he turned to that passage, Isaiah 61, starting in verse 1, and he began to read. So you read in verse 17, he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, Luke 4:17. When he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of all were upon him, and he began to say to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So what Jesus had done is he turned to Isaiah 61, a very common messianic scripture. This is the Messiah who is to come. He turned to that passage, he reads the passage, hands the book back, and says, Today... This is fulfilled. I am the Messiah that the prophet spoke of. I am the one, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He's anointed me to heal the brokenhearted, to set captives free, and open blind eyes, set the oppressed free. And that same anointing is upon us. If we have surrendered our lives to the Lord, we've received the empowering of the Holy Spirit, and we welcome that anointing upon our lives. We need that anointing. We need to walk in that anointing because the people around us need to hear the gospel. They've got broken hearts. They need to be healed. There are broken, dysfunctional people that need the life of Jesus that we carry, and we need to minister them that to them. So his anointing of healing the brokenhearted, delivering captives of sin, of pain, of shame giving freedom to the oppressed, giving freedom to the tormented. That was his anointing back then. That's still his anointing today. It says in Hebrews 13, 8, he can heal today what was wounded yesterday, last week, five years ago, 10 years ago, 40 years ago, because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's the Jesus we serve. Man, isn't that great? Aren't you glad he wasn't just anointed 2,000 years ago? He's got that same anointing today. And when he sent the Holy Spirit,